The year was 1996. Bill Clinton was president. To end welfare as we know it. The economy was cruising. The World Wide Web was in its infancy. Oh, I gotta get on that internet. I'm late on everything. It was a time of innovation. Dolly is the name of the first mammal, yes, a sheep ever to be born as the result of cloning. The Cold War had ended. It was a period of globalization. You know, the, the original tech boom. And it was a time of invention. Michael Millette was 31 years old, living in New York City. He was a few years into his career at Goldman Sachs when he joined a team that was given the challenge of creating a new financial instrument. It did feel big and important, and at times it felt as though it was going to go on forever. His team was racing to be the first to bring this innovation to market. In the summer of 96, there were three major deals, all attempted, and they all failed for different reasons. Deal after deal was going right up to the 10-yard line and then stalling out. The thing they were all racing to launch was called a catastrophe bond. In very simple terms, a cat bond, as they're called, allows investors to make money on risk by taking bets on catastrophes, or rather, against them. And it's a way for the capital markets to absorb the shock of catastrophic losses. It was all about Hurricane Andrew. Remember, Andrew was a Category 5 hurricane that tore through Florida in 1992. Sixty-five people died in the storm and its aftermath, and thousands of homes and businesses were destroyed. That loss bankrupted a whole series of insurance companies in Florida. Famously, there were large U.S. property casualty insurers that lost decades of their profits in Florida all at once. Insurance companies needed help, and cat bonds were one of the solutions born from the wreckage, a way for insurance companies to pass some of their risk on to investors in the capital markets. The basic idea was you could have a $100 billion catastrophe, and that would be ruinous for the insurance industry. But the capital markets have a standard deviation of, of over $100 billion a day. <laughs> Holy cow. You know, the stock and bond markets slosh around, you know, a hundred billion, a couple hundred billion dollars um, freely. So the notion of moving some of that concentrated risk into the broad capital markets um, became very, very compelling. Michael's job was to talk to investors and try to sell them on these new bonds. We must have talked to, you know, two or three hundred different investors. But investors had never seen a bond like this. They were like, wait, you want us to invest in hurricanes? We were taking questions. And not just three or four questions. We were taking, you know, three pages of questions. Questions like, how risky is this? How do you know? How can I get my money out? The roadshow went on and on. A roadshow is basically a sales tour. They were trying to get investors all over the world. This is Karen Clark, the catastrophe modeler from Episode 5. Michael's team worked with Karen's company, and together they traveled the world, peddling the first cat bonds. London, Frankfurt, and Tokyo, all in three days. Karen's early models were critical to selling the bonds. You had to convince investors that we understood what the real probabilities were 
of hurricanes occurring in different areas and causing losses of different amounts. There was also plenty of whining and dining. It was first class all the way. There'd be stretch limos to pick you up, and you go to the best restaurants. Michael says the first deal had a deadline, end of year 1996. It took forever. We worked for six months to sell the deal. We closed it December 23rd, 1996. Just in time. I'm not good with dates. I remember my children's birthdays, um, you know, anniversaries, and I remember that date because it was a lift. After that, cat bonds caught on, and Karen says the stretch limos disappeared. Five years later, I remember working on another cat bond, and I was schlepping around New York City, and we didn't even get a taxi. And I'm like, can we take a taxi? No, we're walking to the next office. You know, investors got used to it. They were more knowledgeable about it, so it became more a more routine thing. So routine that today the cat bond market has grown to about $40 billion. But you know what else is getting more routine? The catastrophes that can wipe investors out. I'm Amy Scott. This is How We Survive, where we're following the money to the end of the world. In this case, South Florida. This is Episode 6, Betting Against a Storm. Earlier in the season, we told you all about the Florida insurance market. If you had to sum up Florida's insurance market right now with one word, what would it be? Broken. Turmoil. Crisis? It's being held together by a piece of chewing gum. Maybe your eyes glaze over at the word insurance. That's understandable. But insurance is crucial to our modern lives. Without insurance, our whole housing system would collapse. And right now, in some places, the climate crisis is making whole markets too risky for insurance companies. This episode, we're going to look at solutions. How those cat bonds invented 26 years ago helped the insurance industry survive after Hurricane Andrew. And how cat bonds may help us deal with an even bigger challenge, the climate crisis. To understand cat bonds, you first need to understand something called reinsurance. So here's a crash course. Turns out you can insure almost anything, including insurance policies. Reinsurance is essentially insurance for insurers. There are a few big players you may have heard of. Swiss Re, Munich Re, Berkshire Hathaway. They basically sell protection that helps insurance companies pay out claims after a big storm or disaster. Reinsurance props up the whole insurance industry, which props up the housing market, which props up our whole economy. So it's important. And it's big. Reinsurance is a half a trillion dollar industry. But lately, it's been harder to buy in Florida because reinsurers are not super hot on the Florida market. They lost money for four or five years in a row. They're like, we're going to put our money elsewhere. Chuck Nice is a professor at Florida State University. This hurricane season, it looks like most private insurers in Florida were able to get enough reinsurance, but... Reinsurance became really expensive. And for companies that couldn't afford it, some went out of business. The reinsurance is not something that we can be uh, 
lenient on. You have to have the minimum reinsurance in place or more. Joe Petrelli is president of Demotech, a company that rates Florida insurance companies to make sure they're financially healthy. People who have mortgages are required to have insurance policies with highly rated companies. And in order to earn that rating, Joe says a lot of insurance companies end up spending about half the money they collect through premiums on reinsurance. Unfortunately, the availability appears to be lessening. There are just fewer reinsurers participating in in the bidding, if you will, and the cost of of that reinsurance was also uh, more dear. And actually, Citizens, the state-backed insurer of last resort, also couldn't get enough reinsurance this year. There were capacity issues. Jennifer Montero is the CFO of Citizens, Capacity issues is a nice way of saying companies didn't want to sell reinsurance to citizens at the price citizens was willing to pay. We went out with prices that we thought were fair, and we kind of dug our feet into those prices. And uh, we were able to place $1.2 billion in the private market, but we were looking for a lot more than that. They were looking for a total of about $4.7 billion in reinsurance. So yeah, a lot more. Now, as a quasi-governmental agency, Citizens has some other tools for covering potential losses. It can charge fees to every insurance holder in the state of Florida if it has to. But as traditional reinsurance dries up, those cat bonds I mentioned at the start become even more crucial because they are another form of reinsurance. They're very important, especially in this market where it's a hard market. In fact, citizens had about as much reinsurance in cat bonds this year as in traditional reinsurance, but still not enough. And citizens went into this hurricane season under-reinsured. Forecasters were predicting an active hurricane season, and some people worried that one big storm could collapse the insurance market. All right, buckle up, because for the next few minutes, we're going to get into the weeds a little bit on cat bonds and how they work. Really do have a captive audience who actually wants to hear it, so... so. Well, this is your moment to shine. We're all about it. (laughs) Sure, sure. Chris Grimes is a director in the insurance group at Fitch Ratings. He's part of a team of analysts at Fitch who rate catastrophe bonds and reinsurance companies. A rating helps investors in a bond understand the risk. So what's your cocktail party definition of a cat bond? Uh, A cat bond is primarily uh, a financial instrument that transfers risk from typically insurance companies to the capital markets. How it works is an insurance company sponsors a bond that's tied to a specific event or group of events, like an earthquake in Japan or named tropical storms in the Atlantic, even pandemics and terrorist attacks. Basically, anything you can insure, you can bet on in the cat bond market. Investors in the bond pay into a trust, and the insurance company pays investors a premium to be able to access that trust if a big enough loss occurs and the bond gets triggered. It sounds kind of ghoulish, right? If any of these things happen, it means people are dying. But remember, investors are hoping these things don't happen. 
you know, why would an investor want to uh, take a bet on named storms in the Atlantic this season or an earthquake uh, not happening? What I imagine that the premium can be pretty large. Well, let's talk about bet. Michael Millett does not like the word bet. It's different from betting. Because when you sit down to bet, you know that the odds are stacked against you. With cat bonds, he says... These are not against everyday events. They're against extreme events. So in most cases, the investors after a year or three will get the money in the trust plus the premiums. Depending on market conditions, investors can earn anywhere from about 4% to more than 10% on their money. For comparison, a three-year treasury bond is paying about 4% right now. Here's Citizens CFO Jennifer Montero. If the wind doesn't blow, then the investors made a few bucks off their investment, and hopefully they'll redeploy that capital right back into the market again. So if the wind does blow, they have the potential to lose all their money? That's correct. Or they could lose part of it. Whether an investor loses all or part of their principal investment depends on how hard the wind blows, that is, how big citizens' losses are, and on something called the reinsurance tower. See, a tower is an industry term for the layers of reinsurance. At the bottom are citizens' own reserves. That gets tapped first. Then there's traditional reinsurance and a hurricane catastrophe fund set up by the state. Those would be tapped next. And toward the very top of citizens' tower are the cat bonds. So only if citizens had a really big loss would cat bond investors lose any money. An even bigger loss, it turns out, than Hurricane Ian. Citizens is projecting about $3.8 billion in losses on its policies, not quite enough to trigger the cat bonds, which again are at the top of the reinsurance tower. We did pretty well. Um, uh, Ian Ian was a a big hit for everybody. We were able to um, stay within our lower levels of our reinsurance tower, but we don't think we'll get into any of our upper layers of our reinsurance tower. Ian didn't work out so well for other bond investors. We'll get to that later. But there's another reason investors like cat bonds. Diversified assets are very, very precious these days. Cat bonds are like the ultimate diversification strategy. In an economic downturn or financial crisis, most kinds of assets lose value. But the weather doesn't care about market conditions. Financial crashes don't cause hurricanes. And hurricanes don't tend to drive major market disruptions. It's conceivable. Uh, You could have, you know, a Cat 5 hurricane hit New York City. It's very hard for one to hit because the water's too cold up here. But if it did, that could drive a market disruption. But it's unusual, and it doesn't tend to happen. So maybe you're thinking, sign me up. Well, you and I can't buy cat bonds. You have to be a large institutional investor with lots of assets. But Chris Grimes, the Fitch analyst, says a small slice of our pension funds, if we're lucky enough to have one of those, might be invested in cat bonds. Or you could buy a mutual fund that invests in cat bonds. Basically, regulators don't think these are the kinds of investments regular people should be messing with. So how risky are these bonds? 
Um, I, I think it's hard to specify how, how risky they are. I mean, I think most bonds tend to be um, non-investment grade, but um, you know, I think the performance of the, of the industry over time has been fairly strong. So non-investment grade, uh, another way of saying that is a junk bond, which makes them sound like scary. That's after the break. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Think Silver Jubilee. And maybe you picture a royal celebration. Queen Elizabeth, decked out in pearls, in a pink dress and matching hat, celebrating the 25th anniversary of her reign. When I was 21, I pledged my life to the service of our people. Jubilees are big in the UK. I watched one recently, not for a monarch, but for cat bonds. What a treat it is as an American to be invited to a jubilee. We don't have those. Michael Millette was there to celebrate the 25th anniversary of that first cat bond he worked so hard to sell. And when we were working on some of the earliest deals in the sector in the mid-1990s, we had no idea that we would become old war horses um, celebrating a jubilee. I'm picturing chocolate fountains and ice sculptures. Michael says no. It was pretty much a conference with panels. Michael is now a managing partner at Hudson Structured Capital Management, an asset manager that invests in cat bonds and other insurance-linked securities. At the Silver Jubilee, the trip down memory lane takes a bit of a somber turn. We should study our history and think about what went right and wrong and chart a course. Because the past five years have been rough. Some investors are losing money. We had 10 years of climate change. And cat bonds have lost some of their luster. The world is becoming more catastrophic because cat risk appears to be drifting to higher levels uh, due to climate change. To recap, cat bonds came online in 1996. Michael Millette says the late 90s and 2000s were pretty good for cat bond investors. There were storms like Hurricane Katrina and there were losses. But the losses were modest, and they fit the descriptions and the risk descriptions that investors 
felt that they had signed up for, as opposed to those losses undermining faith, those losses made investors feel like the market was structured appropriately. Basically, the cat bond market was working as advertised. And during the financial crisis? The catastrophe bond market was a relatively peaceful place, and nothing else was. Again, cat bonds are uncorrelated with the returns on other kinds of investments. Luck also played a role. There was a long spell with very few storms. There were actually no landfalling hurricanes in Florida between 2005 and 2016. So investors were feeling good, cat bonds were going strong. But then 2017 happened. We had three giant hurricanes. Harvey in Houston. Shattered the United States rainfall record. Irma in Florida. One of the strongest hurricanes. And Maria in Puerto Rico. It was a life-changing storm. Those each produced, you know, 20 billion or so or more of losses for the insurance industry. Michael estimates cat bond investors lost 12 to 15 billion dollars. But they licked their wounds, took a deep breath, and kept buying. And then we had 2018. Oof. 2018 brought Hurricane Florence. This is being called an unprecedented Category 4 storm. Hurricane Michael. Two unprecedented hurricanes within the same season. Intense wildfires in California and two massive typhoons in Japan. Okay, now some investors are getting cold feet. 2019 wasn't as bad, but it wasn't exactly quiet. We had big wildfires in California, including camp. And then we had two more big typhoons in Japan. Then 2020. Wow! We had more landfalling hurricanes than we've ever had in the past century. More named tropical storms than ever before in recorded history. Not only used the full regular alphabet list, but even had to go into the Greek... You might remember 2020 because that was the year when we had all of those Greek letter storms. Because we ran out of letters of the alphabet. 2021 had more hurricanes, like Ida. Oh, my God! And there was that big winter blizzard that knocked out the power grid in Texas. With Arctic air expected to descend all the way to the Gulf Coast. And now investors are worried. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Tough years. Investors in the cap market, investors in reinsurance began to wonder, are we pricing this risk appropriately? Are we estimating, is it one in 100 or is it going to happen every year? And 2022 saw Hurricane Ian, the most expensive hurricane in Florida history. We told you that citizens' cat bonds fared okay, but Allstate wasn't so lucky. According to Artemis, a website that tracks catastrophe bonds, Allstate issued a cat bond for about $288 million. It covered several perils, named storms in Florida, earthquakes, severe thunderstorms, volcanic eruptions, wildfires, even meteorite impact. Fortunately, that didn't happen. But Hurricane Ian triggered the bond when Allstate's losses rose above a certain threshold. And some investors who bought at the riskiest level were wiped out. Here's where we come back to catastrophe models. Michael says investors are wondering if the models are keeping up with climate change. 
and it seems that we do have some drift that's associated with climate. First of all, frequency. There are simply more cat events than we have seen, at least in quite a long time. So there are climate fingerprints all over what we have seen since 2017. And investors are thinking about that. The climate crisis means hurricanes are stronger, wetter, and more destructive. And it's not just hurricanes. Other types of catastrophe risk have also surged. Severe convective storms. Severe convective storms, these are the tornado, hail storm, straight-lined windstorm, derecho storms that we see typically across, you know, the south-central U.S. or in the plains. The severity of those storms has been increasing. There are billion-dollar severe convective storms with some regularity now. Wildfires. We've clearly seen a pickup of wildfires. We've seen them in California. We've seen them in Australia. We're seeing them in Latin America. We're seeing them in Siberia. And if more investors who were betting, sorry, Michael, against those storms and wildfires are losing those bets and are less willing to buy catastrophe bonds, it's going to be harder for insurance companies to absorb the big losses that are coming. I asked Karen Clark, the pioneer in catastrophe modeling, about this, whether the models are keeping up with climate change. And she agreed with Michael. The market is using models that are not giving an adequate view of what the real risk is today. So the models aren't keeping up. Exactly. With the exception of yours, right? (laughs) Well, ours are new. Karen says most cat bonds rely on models from a company she founded 35 years ago, AIR. But Karen herself left that company about 15 years ago to start a new firm, Karen Clark & Company, which doesn't yet do a lot of work with cat bonds. Her clients are mostly insurance companies. We are incorporating climate change into our models. The science is at a state where we are able to quantify the impacts on extreme events. It took a while. For example, Karen says, for every one degree Celsius increase in global temperatures... You get a 2.5% increase in wind speeds. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but losses increase exponentially with wind speeds. So it actually is more like 11 or 12% increase in losses um, with that increase in wind speed. Uh, so it depends on the peril and it depends on the time frame. And But that's why you need the models. So you need the catastrophe models more than ever because you need to, to now quantify even more aspects of these extreme events. She told me so far KCC hasn't really marketed its models in the cat bond space. But maybe it's time for another roadshow. The insurance industry in Florida is in turmoil. Reinsurance companies are dialing back their exposure or demanding to be paid more for the risk. And cat bonds are not performing as well. And while the cat bond market is still growing, that could change if losses also keep growing. So what are the solutions? Well, the ultimate solution is to stop belching greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and try to get a hold on global warming. And insurance companies could make a difference there. 
Because even as insured losses from climate disasters grow, the insurance industry as a whole invests billions in the fossil fuel industry. And it underwrites fossil fuel extraction projects. Activists say insurers could stop underwriting new projects and draw down those investments. And actually, some companies are already doing this. Some of the biggest reinsurance companies in the world have committed to end or restrict underwriting coal projects. So that's a big picture solution. And there's a long way to go. But what can Florida do in the meantime? Number one, bring reinsurance companies back into the market. You have to have a vibrant, competitive reinsurance marketplace. That's Joe Petrelli again, the guy who rates insurance companies. And unless and until every state can do that, they're going to have availability issues on reinsurance, and it's going to be unaffordable by the carriers, which means unaffordable costs get passed on to consumers. It's a reinsurance issue. It's not about keeping rating agencies happy. It's about keeping reinsurers happy. And until the reinsurers are happy, it's going to be ugly. Reinsurance companies don't dislike risk so long as it makes them money. Risk is the business. So how to bring them back into the market? That brings us to number two, deal with some of the problems we told you about last episode, the super high litigation costs and fraud. There's a special legislative session planned for December to tackle these issues. Karen Clark says another piece of the reinsurance tower, cat bonds, also probably need to pay better. It's a matter of price. If the investors feel they're getting an adequate return, then they'll want to invest. If they feel they're not getting an adequate return, then they won't want to invest. They'll want to invest elsewhere. These solutions are not optional, says Michael Millett. The stakes are high because without reinsurance, homeowners can't get affordable insurance. And development along the coast shows no sign of slowing down. More people than ever live in cat-exposed areas. More people than ever are moving into cat-exposed areas. This is true all around the world. And there's another solution people don't really like to even think about. What we haven't done as a society is we haven't told people you can't live there anymore. That's FSU professor Chuck Nice. We haven't told people they can't live on the beach. We haven't pulled people back from the beach. We continue to develop in high-risk areas. We've built an entire civilization that lies in the crossroads of hurricanes. Why did we do that again? That's next time on How We Survive. Please rate and review the show if you haven't already. How We Survive is hosted by me, Amy Scott. Senior producer Caitlin Esch produced this episode with production help from Olivia Zhao, Grace Rubin, and Haley Hirschman. Our editor is Jasmine Romero. Sound design by Chris Julin and audio engineering by Brian Allison. Special thanks this week to Marquet Green and Bridget Bodner. Our theme music is by Wonderly. Donna Tam is the director of On Demand. Francesca Levy is the executive director. And Neil Scarborough is the general manager of Marketplace. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. 
from experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Khreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.